Hey folks, welcome to Culture Jacked. You're here with Dustin and Anthony. Well, just Dustin today, it's the Friday show. And today on the show, we're going to talk about the Sonic the Hedgehog conspiracy theory. And remember, if you like the show, be sure to subscribe and share it with your pals. So get your headphones on, you're about to get jacked. Welcome back uh, to the Friday show. Uh, just Dustin here, no Anthony, because he has actually broken quarantine and he opened up a kissing booth. He has it on the back of a, a trailer. He's hauling it all over town. That way, uh, if he stopped by authorities, uh, he can he can move it. You know, when they come to bust him for his um, violation of social distancing protocols. Why is he doing this? You might ask. He told me that he needed to catch the coronavirus in order to study it, and in that way, fast-track his development of a vaccine for it. It is a reckless but noble pursuit, to be sure. Oh my. Oh, oh heavens. Did everyone listen to his episode on Monday? What a wild ride from start to finish. I have... Uh, a few things to say about that episode here in a minute, but if you haven't listened to it, he was definitely in rare, unplugged form earlier this week, so I do recommend going and listening to his his Monday podcast uh, from earlier in the week. Uh, but today, it's it's not going to be your typical Friday show, or your typical culture-jacked episode for that matter at all. No, today, I'm going to walk in the footsteps of giants, chemtrails, Illuminati, bio... Let me, do, let me do this again. Chemtrails, Illuminati, bioweapons, hair loss, Alex Jones, body odor, flat earth, vaccines. All of these <laughs> conspiracy theories don't hold a candle to today's subject of my ire, fascination, and also suspicion. The original character model for Sonic in the recent Sonic and the Hedgehog movie was never intended to be the final design. Furthermore, the design that we eventually got in the movie was the planned, intentional, and hidden true design from the very beginning. I know what you're thinking. Why, Dustin, would you say something so controversial, yet so brave? And the fact is, the truth needs to be known. I know I'm putting my life at risk, as well as the lives of my family. Similarly, Anthony, I'm sorry, but you're probably not going to be safe after this airs as well. You need to get underground. I'll call you on that burner phone I gave you for a situation exactly like this. About a year ago, on April 30th, we were all treated to a unique entree that drew the internet's fury and its curiosity. Playing in the background was the nostalgic and out-of-place Gangster's Paradise, to which I maintain that Weird Al Yankovic's parody, Amish Paradise, to this day, stands as a superior version of the melody. But with this gentle lullaby cooing the nightmare visage of a cursed, dark timeline Sonic the Hedgehog was reintroduced to audiences the world over. The people gnashed their teeth, wiped tears from their eyes, and took to their keyboards to berate belittle, and besmirch 
this monstrosity that they were seeing for the very first time. The creative minds behind the movie saw the pushback, and shortly thereafter, in May, the movie's director, Jeff Fowler, took to Twitter to assure fans with the following tweet. Thank you for the support and the criticism. The message is loud and clear. You aren't happy with the design and you want changes. It's going to happen. Everyone at Paramount and Sega are fully committed to making this character the best he can be. Hashtag Sonic Movie. Hashtag Gotta Fix Fast. (laughs) I don't know why I gave Mr. Fowler that voice. This happened in my episode last week also. I can only see this newly forming habit of mine in a positive light, and I hope you are all in agreement with that fact. It had human hands. It had human teeth. But it was a hedgehog. Why craft such an outlandish creature and then try to morph him into something much less outlandish and much more human at the same time? Why create something that dwells at the base of the uncanny valley that eats children's dreams and empties adults' retirement accounts? I'll tell you why. Because they didn't. What is viral marketing? Viral marketing is a new way, or, you know, relatively new way, to get your product on consumers' eyeballs, into consumers' hands, and ultimately removing that money out of consumers' wallets. A way that it almost seems organic if it wasn't so devious and intentional. Think of, think of baby Yoda. Sure, he was cute, but he did not immediately deserve the attention he received. He was planted and nurtured by corporate hands to become an internet darling. Talked about, and in those gyrations, become a spectacle to be witnessed by each of us who had signed up for Disney+. Viral marketing encourages us to share their product, makes us foot soldiers of their greedy designs. In corporate speak, terms like relatability, shareability, viral potential are tossed around before we begin working on selling their product for them and for free for them. So why would they put this particular movie out with such an atrocious protagonist? This is not an adorable marketable creature like Baby Yoda or a suddenly sexy, hilarious, trash-talking mascot like the Wendy's logo. Not yet, at least. Though, if you saw the Sonic movie, that Baby Sonic, well, very adorable, very marketable. So after Jeff Fowler put out that tweet, though, they did spruce him up because on November 12th, they released another trailer with the now dramatically redesigned Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh man, uh, faithful to the cartoon and, and game design of Sonic, this pleased fans and critics alike. And this, folks, is why they did it. Why they made such a horrid first attempt in order to correct their own mistake. And they were lauded as heroes because of it. The internet could not be bothered with thinking of them as anything less. For a giant movie company to listen to their fans, and make such drastic changes to a movie in the final stages of production was magnanimous and completely unheard of. So, the theory goes that the original Sonic that was seen in the first trailer 
was only edited into those shots that were shown in the first trailer. The rest of the movie, and even those shots, were already being curated to show the eventual sonic design. Uh, in an article from Newsweek, they talked about this theory, and they said that the this conspiracy would do two things. It would, one allow time for a a finishing polish of the movie uh, under the guise of needing time to redesign. And it would also garner attention, support, and favor from online fans. Even removing speculation about the intention of their marketing, if that was in fact the original design that they were going to put in the movie, you can't argue at least the second goal was met with resounding success. I mean, I read personally and heard several people say that they were planning to see the movie purely based on the charitable redesign that was happening. Just because they redesigned Sonic, these people were willing to go give it a shot because they listened. Their ruse had worked. Now, I thought about this conspiracy and put my support behind it independently. But I am by far not the only person to connect these dots. There's a video on YouTube of a sonic prop being used with Jim Carrey during filming. And this prop looks like the redesigned Sonic. You know, the redesign that happened after they finished principal photography on the film. I know I've had my tinfoil hat on this whole time, but to put it on harder and put it over my ears, cover cover my ears as well, If they had that during principal photography, that was the design the whole time. And apparently, uh, these rumors and this theory has become so prolific, the lead designer on the Sonic movie, or on the redesign of Sonic, he had to refute them online. Tyson Heath said in a reply uh, to the conspiracy on Twitter, he wrote, Here's definitive proof. It wasn't a conspiracy. Mm Mm-hmm. Tyson, that sounds like something a hedgehog redesigning co-conspirator would say. But whatever your take on the thing, please don't get me wrong. The Sonic that we got was the Sonic we wanted. The Sonic that we deserved. And maybe he wouldn't have smashed the box office like he did if there wasn't this grand conspiracy to create such disgust, then adoration, and ultimately gratitude from fans and other moviegoers. If the redesign came out first without the horrible, awful one coming out first, it might not have got the attention and might not have achieved the success that it did. But don't insult my intelligence, Paramount. Sega, I'm on to you. And I can't wait for the sequel. Now, back to you, Anthony, you fancy fella. Uh, before I dive into the questions that you asked me from your podcast on Monday, I feel like I need to clear the air. You made some bold statements to say the least on your episode, big ones that need to be addressed. I'm going to start with the fact that you called me and I don't want to get this wrong, but that I was quote, only loosely a guy. Now listen here, bub. I'll drink whiskey out of a hooker's ear canal on the mere suggestion of it. (laughs) I'll eat a second helping of bark and razor wire sandwich before I ever complain about being hungry. 
I'll microwave my fist and feed it to terrace. Hot on the outside, cold in the middle. I'm a full-bodied American man, and I've got the library card to prove it. You also said I was poetic, so thank you for that. <laughs> and you referred to this show, The Friday Show, several times as The Friday Fling. I don't know what I'll be calling uh, the show moving forward. Maybe something like The Friday Show. <laughs> it's got a nice ring to it. Fancy Friday. TGID, thank God it's Dustin. Whatever I end up calling uh, it, I'm sure it will be um, quite, like you said, I'm sure it'll be quite poetic. (laughs) You mentioned people uh, gaming in the 0 to 30 age range. I just want to let you know I'm glad you've included any potential audience members we could have. We do get the most letters uh, from 0-year-olds who are writing the Culture Jack boys. Uh, anyway, moving uh, away from our talk of our core baby demographic, you asked me if there was any games that I wanted something badly from, like the hype or the anticipation for an aspect of it was thoroughly out of control, uh, or something that I really needed to see in the game. To my recollection, there has not been, at least not with games. I do remember the buildup and the hype around Marvel's Infinity War when that was coming out. That was pretty out of control. My my whole body ached trying to get as much information as I could before the movie came out and then trying to avoid as much information as I could um, as after the movie released before I got to see it. Um, I can't think of a specific example of something I needed to see in a game or movie to be satisfied. Uh, you also asked if I felt relationships relationships <laughs> specific to gaming relationships had changed from when we were young in part due to technology changes. I think absolutely the way that we play games with each other and our relationships that are forged from those digital worlds have changed dramatically. Well, like you said, you and I used to play Killer Instinct in the basement at my parents' house. The same place on that sepia-toned, farmhouse-decorated sofa that you taught me how to pop all of my toes in your hands against my will. People, when they played games, they were in the same room, seeing the same screen, sharing the same air. And some of my most fond gaming memories are playing single-player games with you or my brothers. You know, swapping the controller back and forth. You remember that? You know, if you die or if you beat the stage, you pass the controller. That was awesome. You don't get that experience that much anymore. However, there are technological things that have improved that experience. You're playing with someone online. There's a thing called co-pilot mode or in the same room, co-pilot mode, where you can have an additional controller hooked up. So like, say you're playing with a niece or a nephew or a child and they're having trouble passing apart you just turn on your controller and you go into co-pilot mode finish it up for them and then you don't have to hand the controller back and forth you can do that online as well which is pretty cool but largely that kind of in-person gaming has gone away gone the way of the dodo but in its place we can game with people from all over the globe Though I, I will admit most people who play online don't use microphones anymore. The novelty's been lost and we're all introverts now, apparently. I played with some really cool people online, though. 
And also a benefit of playing online allows people like you and I to continue gaming together. Sure, when we were kids in the 90s, you'd come over to the house and we'd have nothing better to do but pound pixels on the Super Nintendo and the PlayStation. But now that we're adults and we live so far from one another, I'm glad there's an option to reunite and play online. Those nostalgic feelings are good. But time keeps on ticking, ticking. You know how it goes. And uh, speaking of gaming, I've got a little bit of news that I wanted to share with you, Anthony, and to our our seven or eight listeners out there. According to Bloomberg Magazine, the new PlayStation 5 is going to cost between $470 and $550, potentially. So they're basing that estimate on production costs of the machine, which are $450 per unit. Apparently, some of the hardware inside this beast is pretty costly, and it's also in relatively high demand. So to that end, the PlayStation 5 will still have a a 2020 holiday release at this time, uh, but most likely they will be producing less units, making between 5 and 6 million at launch, which for comparison, PlayStation 4 debuted with somewhere around 7.5 million when it was launched. And... This is all just rumor because PlayStation hasn't announced the cost yet. Why not? Why haven't they announced the cost? Well, people in the industry say that they're most likely waiting on Microsoft to announce the cost of their Xbox Series X. Microsoft, in turn, is probably waiting on Sony to do the same thing. It's like the world's slowest game of chicken. I would imagine, uh, even though a uh, physical E3 conference and those showcases have been canceled this year, sometime in June or July, I'll bet these companies will hold digital shows that announce uh, the price. And that price is going to be important because a $550 price tag is a lot of money for most people. And especially should this, you know, staggering unemployment continue into the holiday season that we're all experiencing right now, or many of us are experiencing a lot of people might not be willing to drop that money for a new console at all. Of course, there there will be a lot of people that will and are going to. You and I are one of them, I'm sure. Um, and, and one last thing on this, uh, and a question to you as well, Anthony. Do you think either one of these companies would be willing to sell their new console at a loss in order to get that higher install base in order to get more of their consoles into more homes, and if not a, a permanent lower cost, you think they would do it at least initially to get that leg up in this generation, this battle of the console wars. Would they take a loss on the console to reap the, the profits of subscription services, uh, additional controllers, hardware, etc.? What do you think? And any, any of you who are listening to this podcast, please chime in. If you have a profound thought that would contribute to the dialogue, let us know. If it is meaty enough, Anthony, I want to hear it, and we want to discuss it in future episodes. In sad movie news, it looks like our wish to have Black Widow released on Disney Plus isn't going to come true. Boo, hiss, boo, hiss. A few days ago, Disney announced they would be delaying the movie and releasing it in November. Of course, this is when The Eternals was going to be released, so this move bumped back a lot of their Marvel releases, which is fine, I guess. I just really wanted to see this movie. (laughs) And knowing I wouldn't have to fight a crowd at the theater, for some reason, 
it just felt really appealing to me right now. So, uh, Black Widow in November, Eternals is moved to February 2021. Shang-Chi now in May 2021. Shang-Chi, I don't know hardly anything about this character. It feels really similar to my knowledge set when Black Panther was being released. So, I'll probably do the same thing I did when that one came out. You know, go to the wiki, read everything there is to know about the character, and and then act real snooty to my normie friends who don't know as much as me and be aghast and offended when they get the elements of the movie wrong from the comics that I never cherished or read in the first place. The, <laughs> the new Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness will premiere in November of 2021, Thor Love and Thunder in February 2022, Black Panther 2 in May of 2022, and I hope... Um, the rumors turn out to be true, and they do introduce Namor, the Submariner, into into the MCU at this point. And then finally, they just announced that the untitled Marvy Marvy, <laughs> they just announced that the untitled Marvel movie slated for July 2022 will be the sequel for Captain Marvel. And that uh, is all the movies. That's insane. That's seven films in three years. That's crazy. And that isn't even including the Disney Plus uh, Marvel shows that are coming out or the Sony-led Spider-Man and Spider-Man spinoff movies. Wowza. But that's it for the episode. Throw your headphones to the floor. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at CultureJacked. And if you like the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends, and tune in on Monday to catch Anthony's episode. Culture Jack. Tech, games, movies, and more.